Hey guys, welcome back. We are Heart and Hustle Podcast. I'm Angelica Yard. I'm Charisma O'Keefe. And we are here every Thursday uh, just bringing you information, business advice, advice for life, interviews, all sorts of stuff. What was the uh, show that said the news you can use? I'm like, we're bringing you the news you can use. I was <laughs> like, I do know what that is, but I don't know what that is. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know yeah. I know that phrase, but I can't think of it. Um, <laughs> if you want to connect with us, not just here on the podcast, you can connect with us on social media, which we love to connect with you there. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And on Instagram and Facebook, we are at Heart and Hustle Podcast. And on Twitter, we are at Heart Hustle Pod. And you can also use the hashtag Boss So Hard to show us what you are up to on the internet and what you're doing and what you're doing with your business and life and everything else. Also, I want to shout out that um, our personal Instagrams, uh, Angelica is Studio 404 Design for a personal, and then her paper shop is Studio 404 Paper. And then I am Charisma O'Keefe. That's O-K-E-E-F-E. Charisma spelled like the word is my personal. And then Kismet and Charisma is my shop. So definitely be checking those out, communicating with us there. And you will get even more information than you're getting here on the podcast. Also, um, thank you the, to the people who have been reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. You yes, can do that if you'd you. like. Rate and review. That's how other people find us. I appreciate you because I haven't really checked in. I listen to podcasts now via Spotify. I don't really use Apple Podcasts on my desktop anymore. And so I went in and I was like, let me see how our ratings are doing if we like are getting flamed for being black. And uh, we're not. So thanks. <laughs> yes, I know. And I think that we've been very um, honest in some of these. I mean, we're always honest, I think, in all episodes. But in the episodes that we were talking about race and different black issues, like we were very honest and we didn't sugarcoat things. So I did wonder how people were going to take that but they've taken it really well so that's great um also i wanted to tell you that i did listen to that episode of the best friends podcast where they talk about celebration and that was hilarious it was very funny um if you don't if you like i listen to a lot of comedy podcasts and i feel like i've talked about it before so i feel like the people are all in the same circles that i listen to because they all have podcasts but nicole Bayer and uh shazir zamata have a podcast called best friends podcast and it's it's a delight and a joy. And they talked about celebration where we live for a couple minutes in a recent episode. And it was very funny. And I honestly, I'm like, I really feel like we should do like a mini episode where we like respond to them because they did have a lot of questions and some of them were very valid. And some of the things that they said were like spot on. Like she said, she's like, I think it's a ton of golf carts. And I'm like, she's not wrong. Like, yeah. Not I wrong though. I went to Publix yesterday <laughs> and I there were at least four nevs on the road. And I was like, yep, she is. Yeah. yeah. Is I'm accurate. like, it's not an inaccurate statement. Like it is kind of a town of golf carts. But I was like, I definitely think that because we've just lived here for a while and like, it's just like all the celebration things are just like normal to us. But I think that a lot of people find celebration to be this like weird mystery. So maybe we'll do like a mini episode or something about celebration. At what one it's point. like to live in this hot mess. Yeah. <laughs> in Pleasantville. Uh, I feel like also like there's not a ton of people of color in celebration. And you know where they are? They're where I live right now. I have found yeah, all the yeah. black people and I'm so happy. Yeah. <laughs> like, but it's like, it so always happy. brought me great joy because like we had, you know, friends, Nick and Melissa, who lived like owned a, owned a house in celebration in one of the like whiter parts, um, which again, a lot of the parts are white. But I really loved when we'd sit outside during holidays and all of us were people of color. And I was like, yeah, that's right. 
Actually, John was yeah. there, so not all of us are people of color, but uh, almost most of us, us and John. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely, um, you know, I will say also because one of the issues that I had um, living here, and we'll probably talk about a podcast, but on a different episode, I just wanted to shout out the fact that I was able to have a black OB that helped my delivery experience because I've heard so many horror stories about people who do live in towns like this where the birthing mm-hmm. staff is majority white. And so the fact that I had black nurses and a black OB who daughter is goes to the same school as my daughter now and they're around the same age and she was pregnant at the time i could not that's the the only like that's the biggest blessing i got from being in this little town yeah in my and it, life, for so. people that don't understand it's like because I, I feel like we're always like it's a little town it's so tiny and like it is it's kind of like a big neighborhood but like we're basically in orlando like yeah. I, I think that people get confused because they're like wait do you live in orlando do you we basically live in Orlando, but it's like it's a technically a town because like they just decided they wanted to be a town. Yeah, it's and a town. It's, it's really like a big, big neighborhood. Like it's like if you took like five big neighborhoods and like put them together. Um, but we really like we can be in downtown Orlando in like 15, 20 minutes. I mean, fifteen minutes with David driving and like twenty with mine. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you bought a new computer. Yeah, so my computer uh, decided to die in the middle of the lockdown. Um, I luckily have a good friend named Nick who is an Apple specialist. And so I called him pretty much at like 11 o'clock at night and I was freaking out and I was like, my computer just died out of nowhere. I was just working on some routine stuff and it just is done. And so he kind of walked me through some things. And then he was like, all right, you're going to have to call Apple in the morning to see like what they can do. Basically, he was saying like, they need to test some things that I don't have the equipment to test for at home. I was like, okay, great. So I called Apple in the morning and basically it was just like, yeah, I have to take it in. Um, there was nothing I could do from home. Um, and Apple store was the, the Apple store was not open at that point in time. So they gave me like two stores that were open in like the Florida area. And they were both like two hours from where we live in in opposite directions and I was just like um yeah I'm not like I hadn't been outside in a very long time at that point it was like the height of like all of the worry like we still didn't know a lot about COVID and so I was like yeah I'm not gonna go outside especially because it's like then I'm gonna have to like drive drop this thing off to a to like they had like sketchy names you know what I mean um so I'm like to this like sketchy place and then have to go like pick it back up later and I'm like they're not Apple like I just don't know how it's gonna work like no so I ended up using John's computer and I just kind of had to like pivot and make that work um I have a designer that I work with when I am working on bigger projects anyways like just to like expedite things. So a lot of times like I'll do like a rough draft of something and then send her that version and she will add her flair to it, clean it up, just make it all around better. She's a better designer than I am, my friend Raven. Um, And so I leaned on Raven more than usual with hiring her for projects because I was like, I can't do these certain things. Um, And then what I could like for social media and stuff, like I used Canva a bit to kind of like help supplement that. But obviously some things need to be like very branded. So I couldn't use it for everything. So yeah, I just got through, made it work um, with John's computer. And he has a personal computer and then he has a work computer. So he was on his work laptop because he was teaching and needed to use that particular laptop. So it kind of worked out. His computer was just going to be sitting there anyways. But I really needed to like get back to having a Mac. It, it was like a nightmare. 
um, for us to record because you had to like come in early each time to like make sure I could get everything hooked up because his computer was like, I don't like this. Um, so it was just like all those little things made it difficult. So finally, the Apple store opened back up, but it was like very limited. It was very hard to get an appointment. I tried for like weeks and couldn't get an appointment and they were appointment only. And then they, like, I heard from my friend Nick that they're going to be shutting down again. And so I was just like, I need to get this taken care of. And so I found a place in Dr. Phillips area. It was like an area that I know everything else. Like I trust the area and they were doing one in one out for people. Cause Florida's like a hot mess with COVID and no one's wearing like the things you're supposed to and whatever. So you have to be extra careful. So dropped it off. And basically they called me a few days later and they were like, you know, they're like deep breath and they're like, ah, we're so sorry, but you know, we're, we have this, the information off of it, but like we can get the information off of it, but the computer is, is just, it's dead. Like it's done. And I was like, oh, so like, you can't, you you got the information you can't get. And they're like, yeah, we can get the information. Like, it's just, we can't get the computer to start anymore. And I was like, great day. Like, hallelujah. Because I honestly thought that they weren't going to be able to get the information off of it. Um, so they were able to retrieve the information. I dropped off a hard drive for them. They put it on there and I was like, that's fine. I have had the same computer probably the whole time you've known me. Um, like I've had the same computer for yeah, way too long. For sure. <laughs> yeah. I know that everyone has been trying to get me to get a new one. I just, I'm very, very like, it's weird because certain things I'm very like, as we know, I'm very bougie about certain things, but other things I'm like, no, I will use the same thing. I will use it till it dies. Like, I'm just very stubborn about that. And I think that that's just like growing up poor. Like you always just feel like, no, like I can just make this work. And so that's very much how I felt about it, even though it's like, hello, like you need a new computer. Your computer is slow as I'll get out. But I, I would just basically have a slower workflow because I was like, well, it's fine. Like I can just make it work. And I would, you know, spend money on like lenses and things like that, that I felt like were more important, but obviously having a really well working computer is important. And I wasn't reminded of that until I went in and bought one the other day. Um, and I basically decided I was like, I can't get to the Apple store because it's, you know, um, appointment only and I can't get an appointment. So I ended up going on Best Buy's website and there was like a Best Buy in like the Kissimmee area. And they had, they like no other Best Buy in the area even had the computer. A lot of them, it was like, you know, it'd have to wait like quite a bit of time. Um, and so this one had it, they had it for like next day. And I could do this thing where I just park in a parking spot after I've bought it. And they'll send me an email and tell me like what time it's ready. So they sent me the email, told me what time it's ready. I drove out there, parked in a parking spot, and then sent them a message through their system to say, hey, I'm in parking spot, like, I don't know, like A6 or whatever it was. And I'm, you know, in this color car and this make car. And so somebody just really walked it out to me. They were wearing a mask. They had gloves on and they just walked it out to me and handed it to me in my car. Um, so it was a really, it was actually like the easiest <laughs> buying experience ever. Um, I was just like, wow, you just like handed me a Mac. I'm so used to like going in and talking to the people about like which model I'm going to get and stuff. Um, so yeah, it was just a really fast and easy experience. Uh, I definitely didn't hate it. And again, luckily I have a friend who works for Apple. So I was able to kind of talk about the different options with him beforehand. Um, so that made me feel a little bit better about my purchase and everything, but I got it home and I was just like, wow, I live in the future now. I was living in the past and now I am living in the future because this You're computer, Xenon. You're growing in the 21st century. <laughs> I am. I finally am. This computer is amazing. It's so fast. 
Um, I've done quite a few graphics and edited a larger session. And the time that it took me to do both, it was so much faster that even John was like, wow, you're already done editing. Just because like the processes are faster and it's like, you don't think about it, but every like 30 seconds longer that each image is taking or each, you know, whatever upload graphic, whatever is taking those add up at the end of your workload Mm -hmm. to be a lot of minutes. And it can add on like an hour if your like stuff isn't running super fast. And I would just always be like, oh, you know, like whatever, it's taking a minute, it's fine. Uh, the running joke was that like I have to wake up in the morning and start my computer and then walk away and go like make my tea and like go take some of my vitamins and then come back. And then my computer is like finally started for the day because it used to take that long to start. And now like I open it and press the button and it just like is on and I'm like, whoa. So moral of the story is like, stop being ridiculous when it comes to like investing in yourself and investing in the tools you need, because there's really no reason to be stubborn. Like this is a computer that I could have bought years ago. Like, you know, like it was like, it just in my mind, I was just like, oh, I don't want to spend the money on me. But at the end of the day, like number one, I deserve to have that money spent on me because I work really hard and this helps me work more efficiently and work better. Um, And then also like my business deserves it, right? It's like, why work harder when you can work smarter? I can help more people. I can do my job more efficiently, you know, and I will burn out less fast if I have the tools to do what I need to do. So if you have the money, please invest in the best tools that you can invest in because you will get used to working at, you know, a slower speed and not at like the full potential of what you could work at. But then when you upgrade, you're going to realize like, oh, wow, like I could have just been making this easier on myself the entire time. And I've just been making it difficult for myself for no reason. So yes, invest in yourself. That is the, the moral of the day. The key. Yes. Uh, I wanted to touch on just a little bit of the, where are the black designers drama? Because this was an event that happened last weekend i think it was saturday um it was presented in a lot of black designer groups as like kind of a resource well first of all the question there was back and forth between different people about like why would you say this or maybe it was presented as like we're going to come together and come up with a solution to try to have more visibility for black designers in space which is slightly problematic because there are plenty of black designers who just need to open your eyes look there's a whole podcast dedicated to highlighting black designers revision path by maurice cherry that has been around four or five six years um so this was and actually the where the black designers is his sort of framework so we kind of thought that he was involved or that it was his project and so i signed up for it because it, it just kept coming up and i was like, okay let me see what's happening and then i got the first couple emails and they were already like inaccessible like they were purple and with pink text and I was like mm. this is problematic like what is happening right now like it almost seemed like a joke at that point I was like okay I'm not gonna take this seriously I I've been going to more events and this was like post like lesbians who tech had just ended etc so I wanted to get more events in and I've been having positive experience with the events that I've been going to like I'm gonna be going to the virtual Grace Hopper at the end of in the fall so I'm excited about those things but I was like, yeah, these emails, maybe it was a mistake. They sent a second email, same situation. And so David was in some circles with some other black designers and we kind of all were like, this seems shady. (laughs) This doesn't seem great. And so basically what the event was, I was not there. I'm not part of it. I was in Slack. Don't want anything to do with it. Uh, (laughs) From what I understand is that IDEO uh, hosted this event and had 
people working and they just wanted to present some ideas about like how to highlight and be more anti-racist but then it was more white people it was catered towards non-black people yeah yeah and and basically it's the idea of they didn't have maurice involved at all so that was the the other problem is that they took an idea from somebody who has been working with black designers and highlighting and had a whole idea and didn't even reach out to him (laughs) and have him involved so it was yeah, it was very shady, and um, I guess I say this because there you we talk about later in the episode about the abundance of designers and black designers online right now. The visibility is more, and people are more showing sharing black art uh, on Instagram because they want to help highlight and give more visibility. There's been this share the mic platform that has gone beyond just um because it was like celebrities and celebrities, kind of bigger known yeah. well-known people but now i've seen it in the lettering uh, i've seen it with interior design i've seen it in different industries and i just think it's important to diversify your feed <laughs> mm-hmm. so if you take a couple of things away from this podcast episode because our interview is very great i don't want to talk too much is investing in the tools that you need to run your business diversify your feeds that, that, that's yes. your life feed like your life viewpoint do better and also, um, we're going to talk about washing your face. <laughs> so, uh, yes. you know, wash your face and wear your sunscreen and drink water. And that's like, that's all you need to know for this episode. Just be prepared to take notes. I guess it's amazing. I just want to touch on that because being a Black designer, I have been a Black designer for 15 years of my career. Um, it's disheartening to see the amount of white and non-Black people praising this event mm-hmm. after it happened because it had some Black people in it. And it's like, you can't... That's, and not, that's not it. That's not And enough. so the criticism that's coming from Black designers is being met with, like, aggression from non-Black people mm-hmm. where they're like, you can't criticize this because we made a valid attempt and it was really well done. And it's like, no, no, no. Sit down and go to the backstory and talk about how it was a stolen idea in the first place and the person who created the idea didn't profit. And that's almost like, that's the story of colonialism mm-hmm. since the beginning of time. So I, like, I understand that non-black people are getting frustrated i guess or fatigued as i've heard of being an ally allyship fatigue or etc or feeling like they they can't do anything right and then it's like well i just tried i'm gonna give up whatever that's not but they don't listen and that's what i don't understand it's like okay i get like i get like being i get being afraid of saying or doing the wrong thing i get it because i am a trans ally and i don't yes always we're not know trans people and we do don't know anything <laughs> like, like i don't know anything I, yeah like i went from no knowledge of this is not something that my mother ever taught me about like anything and you know you enter into a space and you're like i need to educate myself on this and so i learned as much as i could and I can say, like, Use I don't think I've made, yeah, I don't think I've made any major mistakes, but like the biggest thing is that I learn from other people who are trans and then that is how I learn. So, and, and not just like asking people con- nonstop, like I don't go to the trans people in my life and be like, well, let me ask you a thousand questions. I read books. Like I'm like, oh, the first book that I picked up by a trans person was um, by Janet Mock. And then I was like, I'm going to read all her books. So that I have like a better understanding of her experience. And then I went on and read Jacob, uh, you know, Tobias book. And then I read like JVN's book and it's like just reading and learning and like following activists who are trans and like making sure that they don't all look the same. Right. Cause I know that they're going to have different experiences based on where they live in the world, what their, you know, races, what their like social status, their income, whatever. And so just making sure that I follow like enough trans activists and enough trans people to get like a, a better, like, 
wider view of like the trans experience. And so I'm just constantly learning and trying to learn more. And I just feel like these white people, like some of them are going up to like one black person and they're like, give me all the information to be a good ally. And then if they don't master it in a day, they're like, oh, it's too hard. I give up. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, it's been like a few weeks. Like, I don't understand. Yeah. It's, like, guys, I don't... this is like my life. Uh, it's, yeah. yeah, it's so frustrating. And I, I mean, don't, just I'm... yesterday, um, I want to shout out this brand because it was really awesome that they did this. Um, there's like a, they're like a, uh, a lingerie brand and they're called Adore Me. And I started following them because they just have like really cute stuff. And they've always kind of been like more inclusive with like sizes and like brown girls and things like that. And so um, the other day they posted um, a photo of a trans influencer who's actually from the Orlando area, but then moved to uh, New York. And so I've been following them for like a while and like I saw it and I was like oh my gosh yes and like went and immediately commented like yes I love them this is awesome and then like there was tons of people in the comments that were just putting the most hateful things and so of course it's disheartening and hurtful to see that but that doesn't make me say oh it's too hard there's nothing I can do let me give up like what like no that should start like a fire under you and be like I need to do something so I went in, I was like, I got the time today. So I went in, especially like people that had Christian in their bio. And I was like, so please explain to me, like, is this what Jesus would want you to do? Like, is this what Jesus does is tears people down? And like, I took the time to like have those conversations because I don't think that the person who was the subject of the photo should have to go through and defend themselves in this whole entire thing. And sometimes it's just as simple as that is like telling racist people, hey, what you're doing is racist and you should stop. And like, if you think it's exhausting after doing it for a few weeks, like try being black, <laughs> like because we've been doing it forever. Just, like if you can't do it for three or four weeks, like you need to reevaluate like your whole outlook on life, honestly, because like the privilege must just be so strong. I couldn't even like imagine, honestly. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just so tired of hearing that whole like narrative. Like absolutely we need to take time and do different things. I'm not saying that all day, every day you should wake up and be like, all right, let's talk about, you know, racial justice all day from sunup to sundown. Of course, you should be a well-rounded person, have hobbies and like take care of yourself and like spend time with your family. But like, there's no reason that you can't do something anti-racist every single day. That's it. That's all. That's all I wanted to say because this episode is going to be long. So yep. go ahead, uh, <laughs> listen to the episode. I'm like, don't get me started. <laughs> I I just want to touch on it because it's exhausting, but yeah, yeah you, you guys, the people who are trying and making an effort, it's not that anyone doesn't see you. People are seeing we, you. Yeah, seeing we the see the difference doing. and we appreciate you. And I, I um, like all my white friends have been amazing and I'm really happy that I have the white people in my life that I have in my life because they've, they've been there before this and they're, they're there now. So I just, I don't know. I really appreciate them and they're amazing, but there's yeah. And if you do want to learn more about that. trans issues as well, since you're learning about things, go watch disclosure. It's on Netflix. It's amazing. Yes, amazing. It will blow your, your mind. Yep. Um, so take your notes, get your pen out. We're so excited you're here. Thank you for all you do. And we will see you guys next week. Bye.
Hey guys, welcome back. We're super excited to have Brandy Vernado of the Black Market Skin Care here with us. Brandy is a listener of this podcast for some odd reason. I do not know why, but she said it's been helpful. So for people who aren't familiar, (laughs) sure, (laughs) people who aren't familiar with you or your brand, tell us a little bit about yourself, your journey, and uh, what you do. Yeah, so thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Um, I am an educator and entrepreneur. Um, If you follow me on Instagram, then you know that I have been teaching since forever um, and recently have stopped teaching uh, to really just focus on my brand. And so I started the Black Market Skincare about five years ago, and it was really just a solution to my own skin problems. Um, And then people started to ask about my skin and what I was using, and I started making products out of my kitchen and you know, selling them unlabeled and unmarked to random people that showed up at my door um, through referrals. And then I just made it into a business. So at the Black Market Skincare, we really focus on making skincare self-care and really um, getting people to feel confident in their own bodies and their own skin. I love, I love making that. skincare self-care. Like, can we put it on yes. a mug? Can we put it on some merch? I want to buy yeah. it. <laughs> like, that is amazing. <laughs> Yeah. So I, I love that. Like, you know, you have a background in education I'm married to an educator as well. So I know that like, when you have that in you, you apply that to like everything that you do, like everything everything he does. He's just like always teaching. He just can't help it. And that's such a good thing to have with skincare because there's so many of us that really don't know what we're doing when it comes to skincare. Um, and it's just a lot to learn. Like, it's, it's a whole world. Um, so I love that you have that background with it. And I know that you quit your job like mid-year in 2015 to kind of focus more on your mental health and to focus on the black market skincare. So what was that transition like um, kind of going from being like, okay, I'm a full-time educator to like, okay, now I'm making this time for A, myself and my mental health, but then B, for my business. Okay, so you're married to an educator, so you know the struggle, right? So. Mm-hmm. I am I am one of those people that I I never wanted to be a teacher. And I feel bad saying that because I have loved teaching, I have loved all of my students. But, you know, when I was thinking about what I wanted to do in my life, I really wanted to be a journalist. I love writing, um I love interviewing people, I love getting to know people. I wanted to do that, right? But I graduated college um right as the recession hit. And (laughs) no one was like, hey, we're hiring journalists. But I always worked in education. My mom was a school secretary, so I spent a lot of time around schools, which really let me know, like, hey, teaching is not for me because they work really hard. They always seem stressed out. Mm -hmm. And I don't want that life. So I was like, (laughs) I do not want to be a teacher. Right. But by chance, I went to school in New York. I went to Manhattan College which is in Riverdale, New York, and right below my school was a middle school. And so I started taking classes, and you know, you're in college, you have all this time. I started volunteering at the middle school. I was tutoring kids. It was fun. Um, I really, like, I really like kids. And it's hard yeah. to tell kids, like, hey, I don't want to work with you at your school <laughs> because <laughs> I don't want to be there, but I like, you know, I like kids and, and working with kids. And so the recession hit, I moved back home. Um, and I became a sub and I started working with all great levels. Um, and I, I very quickly realized like, you know, not, not kindergarten, not second grade. And I started liking middle and high school. 
Um, and one day I was I was working in this classroom and the teacher, you know, from another class decided that was their last day. They would never come back. And they asked me if I would stay on sort of full time. And so I kind of got wrapped up into this teaching thing. And when I started, it was immediately stressful. I'm teaching in the city that I grew up in, in the same schools that I went to. I'm living in the neighborhood. And so all of the the stress, the anxiety, the the poverty that I grew up in, I was still living in. And then yeah. teaching kids and having that experience with them. So when kids would come to school and say, you know, I couldn't sleep last night. There were firecrackers. I'm like, yep, me too. Or, you know, mm-hmm. this happened down the street. And I'm like, yes, I heard about that. Or I was teaching, you know, relatives of my friends and people that I grew up with. And so there was, I think for me as a new teacher, a much closer connection to the work than most people have when they come into teaching. And that was very stressful because when you're working in the inner city, kids have real life problems. You know, kids were coming to school who were homeless or who hadn't seen their parents in a week or two because their parent is on drugs and they just went missing. Right. And so kids are sort of fending for themselves. Um, so I took a lot of that stress home with me. And so my first couple years of teaching, like, I was working nonstop because, you know, I live close enough to walk to my work and I will walk to school or I will always see the kids. Even when I wasn't at work, I would go to the grocery store and the kids and their families were there. So it seemed like teaching was 24 seven for me and it was very stressful um, to navigate that. And so I had a breaking point, you know, I started in 2015, I would, you know, wake up in the middle of the night. I couldn't sleep. I started having random, really intense panic attacks. I, um, you know, I, I had this migraine headache that just would not go away. And I was going to the doctor and they're like, you know, you seem fine. Everything's great. Are you stressed? I'm like, of course I'm stressed. <laughs> you know, like, tell me what to do. And no one had, no one had any real answers. And so I just decided for myself that although I love teaching, I needed to step away and maybe not step away forever, but I just needed to step away. And I couldn't wait you know, until June, like I had to, had to stop because it was, it was really driving me crazy. I would go to work and I would just sit in my car, like until the bell rang, right? Like, you know, I'm supposed to be at work however long, but I would sit in my car until the bell rang because I just couldn't bring myself to get out of the car and go and do anything. And so I I quit, you know, I put in my two weeks notice. Everyone thought I was crazy. Like, how could you leave me here? What are you doing for, what are you doing to these kids? You know, but I really had to focus on me because at that time, you know, I had a young son and mm-hmm. I was not giving him the proper attention that he needed. I wasn't eating properly. I was staying up all night. Like I was really kind of spiraling out of control. Um, and I had started this business right in 2015 as well. And so I just decided, you know, I'm going to I'm going to take a step back, whatever that means. Right. Um, you know, if I fail, I fail. I can always come back to teaching, but I need to figure out what, what healthy looks like for me and how I can manage this. And so I stepped away to focus on my business full time, which was not easy at all. Like I didn't have a safety net. I didn't have thousands of dollars saved up. You know, I'm quitting my teaching job. I'm not getting like, you know, any retirement pension or anything like that. Um, and I'm a single mom. And so it was scary. And so I think as, you know, stepping into a role as a full-time entrepreneur, there are a lot of things that you're not prepared for. Um, and I think that people have this idea of like, 
you know, as long as I'm passionate about what I do, then I won't struggle. You will struggle. <laughs> you will struggle. Yeah. You, yeah, you might have sure. to like, you know, take on, take on a job that you don't want to do just to make ends meet, or you might have to, you know, you might have to still work a part-time job until your business takes off. And I don't think, I think at that time, again, I was, I was like hyped up on all these podcasts, all these people saying, go for it, chase your dream. And I was like, yeah. And then I struggled. <laughs> I wasn't yeah. right. Yeah. I think that's why it's been important for me. And I always say this on the show and I, this is, we're going to take it till we die. I'm never going to turn down money. Like yeah. if someone yeah. offers me a job that makes considerably more than what I'm doing or, or I have worked or whatever the case may be, I'm never going to say, no, I have a family. I have goals. I have things I have to do. I'm a marginalized person. I'm in multiple minority groups. I don't have the same opportunities. I have to work 10 times harder. So I have to do what I have to do to get to where I am. And we didn't go to college. We didn't have a safety net when we started our business. Our business came out of us in high school, sitting at home, being bored and being like, hey, you want to make some extra money? Sure. (laughs) We both came from single parent households. So I think it's so important for people who listen to these entrepreneur podcasts to understand the reality. I think if more people start being honest and less sharing these gigantic income reports that are like, I just started yeah. my business six months ago. I have $20,000 in Shopify sales, which I have seen so much recently, which is good. It's like good for you. That is amazing. Yeah. But, but they don't, don't tell the whole story. They don't tell the whole story. And that's one month. Like what, what does that look like over time? Because in exactly. business, you, know, you have slow months. Yeah. Yes. In November, if you don't make anything, then right. 20,000 in June doesn't mean anything. You mean like it does, it's great, but also that money is going to float you now from November and December when your months are slow. So people don't, they're not very transparent on the reality of the ebbs and flows of entrepreneurship. Well, and that's and I've seen people like do those income reports. Like I, I've seen a girl that I legitimately know that she like lives with her parents, which is totally fine, but it's mm-hmm. like she lives with her parents. She does not have to pay any rent. They pay all of the major bills. And so she has a, like an online store. And so she'll be like, oh, I made X amount this month. And because of that, I was able to do A, B, and C. And I'm like, yeah, but you're not accounting for the fact that like someone is paying all of your major bills. So it's like, it's a a different reality. Yeah. She tries to encourage people to like do what she's doing. And I'm like, yeah, but if they don't have that net from the safety net from the get go, then that's just not going to work. Or a lot of people will be like, yeah, just save up like, you know. 20 grand and then like you know start trip, and I'm like that's not like a reality for, for everyone to be able to do you know what I mean yeah I, like, I love all those posts where it's like how I save $50,000 in two months it's like but you're not even making $50,000 saving <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's really interesting how people choose to like share these dollar amounts but not really share any background information I always try to share like, I mean, I don't like share my salary because I feel like no one cares. But I mean, if anybody like ever messaged me and was like, what are you charging or whatever? I don't, I'm, I'm very transparent about that stuff. But, you know, I try to be like very real about like where I came from. And it's a similar thing with you. Like I was in college during the recession and I was like, oh, this is not good. Um, <laughs> and I remember seeing yeah. like people graduating before me and like not getting jobs at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like people, you know, friends of mine who were like double majoring. And we're not able to land jobs. And that's what led to me, like, because I had already done an internship for a psychologist and um, switched majors from psychology to business after that internship. Um, and then I was already working in, in weddings. And so that's how I ended up, like, you know, just 
going full time before I even finished school. But I have no regrets because it's like, you know, like you said, it was just kind of a rough time um, to be coming into the job market. It was very, very strange. And I, I do wonder about these kids now coming. Yeah, it's very similar. The yeah. parallel that I've heard yeah. is that it, it's not as bad depending on where you in. Where as when we started, it was bad in all industries. It was everywhere. It was yeah. completely everywhere. So yeah. you can kind of float around in tech and STEM a little bit because there is such a need because everything's now virtual. And so the programming for these these software and these programs are heavy and needed, but there's not enough people graduating with like engineering degrees to fill those spaces, mm-hmm. especially brown and black people. We're not going into those degree spaces. So it's it's they're not offering even like secondary education to people who are in admin or anything like to me if I own a business and I need I'm switching over to sim or a product that needs engineers I'm gonna take my admin people and I'm about to put them through school so that they can come on as the engineers instead of Mm -hmm. trying to like throw out darts and all these Mm -hmm. these positions are going unfilled and instead of just investing in the employees they have which are single mothers the women the people who don't have the money to go back to school to get these degrees which they could do easily they just keep letting these positions go unfilled and then all of these programs, these softwares, these technology companies, these startups keep folding because they refuse to do the thing that is just invest in the people that you have or invest in people who are willing to do the work. Somebody's working harder than a single mother. Like, I don't understand. A single mother will go to school, get a doctorate, do whatever it takes. If it means she's going to have security for her children at the end of the day, invest in those people. Like, I don't, it's so, like, we're doing a lot of consulting on this right now. So to switch (laughs) gears, because I want to talk about your product and your company a little bit more. How did you learn to create skincare products? Girl, I don't know. I'll barely know how to diffuse oils. And secondly, <laughs> why is new, using natural skincare products so important to you? Okay, so I, I struggle with acne for most of my life. You know, childhood Same. acne, adult acne. And I think a lot of people do, right? And so I, um, I would spend hours, you know, standing in the convenience store trying to figure out, okay, what, what product do I try now? What do I do now? And so a wonderful thing happened when I was in high school, you know, like Proactive came out and I started using that, right? But what they don't tell you on their wonderful commercial is that Proactive has a lot of side effects, right? All so of the while, side effects. All, like, all of the side effects. And I was like, okay, I don't like this. Like, what else could I be doing? Um, and because I went to college in New York, um, if you've ever been to New York, I'm sure you guys have, you know, like you go to Harlem or anywhere really. And there's a bunch of street vendors. Mm-hmm. And so I bought some African black soap. Yes. And I started using it and my skin started clearing up. Okay. So then after college, I come back home and like, I couldn't find that soap anywhere. And I was like, okay, who do I need to call in New York to send me my soap? And <laughs> I, um, I met this woman. I was telling people about this soap and this soap is so great. And this woman said, well, have you ever tried, you know, making your own soap? I said, no, like, how would, how would I even do that? And she says, Hey, I know this lady who, who makes soap and she sells it like the flea market or whatever. Let me put you in contact with her. And she put me in contact with her. And this lady like sat down with me and was like, Hey, this is how you make soap. And, you know, she told me to like research different ingredients about what my skin needed. And that's when I realized, you know, when it comes to your skin, you just can't do what everyone else is doing, right? Mm-hmm. Like you really need to know your skin and know what you need. Because if I'm watching a Neutrogena commercial, right, I may not need that because that's not how my skin is. Like my skin is mostly oily and sometimes dry. Like that's different for a lot of people. Some people just have dry skin or some people don't have 
anything or some people don't deal with acne and then when you have melanated skin that's a whole nother layer that you have to think about right so I met this woman she gave me one recipe that I completely butchered um, but I kept trying right so I was like you know going to the farmer's market and going to these um, these like specialty stores to get certain ingredients and to make the products and I did and I really liked how my skin felt and I realized that you know when you're using when you're using a lot of commercial products they have a lot of chemicals in there and when you think about how how products are packaged and you think about shelf life right there needs to be a lot of chemicals in there because you know that soap could sit on target shelf for a year <laughs> who knows mm-hmm. right so it needs to be prepared in a certain way so for me like making the transition to you know um wearing my natural hair it made sense to start using natural skincare products now natural products are better for your skin just because they are you know, any, all chemicals are mimicking what's found in nature, right? So why use the chemicals when you can just use the natural product? It's, it's harder, right, to find the products. It ends up being more expensive. But, you know, the, the natural products really work best for your skin. And they're milder. They don't cause a lot of irritations that you get when you're using other products. Um, and so I just found that that worked best. And when, when I started making the products and sharing them with other people, they saw a real difference. Um, you know, a lot of people and black people, especially our skin tends to be, tends to be dry, right? A lot of black people have, um, skin issues like eczema, right? And these things come from, um, they can come from using chemical products. They can come from the things that we eat, right? So when people start using, you know, my natural products that are made with, you know, shea butter and honey, they started noticing like, hey, when I get out the shower, I'm not ashy. Or, you know, I don't have to keep applying lotion all day to my hands because, you know, it's bringing out my natural moistures and I don't have to use a lot of the product. And so I think, you know, making the switch to natural products is is good. It, it You know, we don't use toxins in our product. We don't have any parabens, any unnatural chemicals. We use natural preservatives um, and it works. Yeah, I love that. Like what you said about what works for someone else is not going to work for, you know, you. And so like when you see a commercial, you're like, I just might not need that. And that's so true. Like, I don't know why I don't think about that because I know that in like my mind, but at the same time, like I'll see somebody using something and I'm like, I want to try that. You know what I mean? Without really like consulting or thinking about like, what is their skin actually like? And I know that like, it's become, you know, kind of the popular thing to like go, you know, have someone look at your hair and be like, okay, like, because your hair is like this and it's this type, like you should be doing A, B, and C with it. But I feel like more people need to be doing that with their skin. Yeah. Like, I feel like there's just not enough people doing that with their skin. (laughs) Absolutely. I think like, you know, growing up, uh, my mom didn't put a lot of attention on like what to use. It was more like, you know, take a bath, wash your face, comb your hair sort of thing. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like, hey, this is how you do these things. So, you know, they go in the bathroom, you put put, like ivory soap on your face, which is like death or, you know, you're, you're just in the shower and you're washing your face with body wash, like whatever. What's that green soap that's like, oh, is it Irish Spring? I used to use that like on my body. Yeah. And then my mom, I remember my mom used Noxzema back in the day. And so 
I used to take her Noxzema because that was just like the only thing I saw. And I was like, I'm going to use this. But I remember it being really intense and like smelling bad. It, it's so, really I was gonna say I can smell I can smell it when you said I can yes. smell it. And you know what? I, like, I feel like it. You know, like obviously, like now I have a skincare routine and I enjoy it. But at the like at the time, I think it fostered me like not enjoying a skincare routine because it was yeah, like so terrible. Burned. So for a long time, I like after that, I just switched to just like plain soap, and I was like just gonna do some soap because I don't want to get into all that because it's real stressful and I don't like it um but yeah she used Noxzema for like ever like her bathroom would smell like Noxzema like just all those like 90s like type of things yeah and then I remember those little scrubbing bubbles were very popular Mm -hmm. that they'd be in like Noxzema and clean and clear and like all yeah definitely this clean and clear scrubbing bubbles with like the little clear and then the St. Ives apricot scrub which we all did and ruined our face like some idiots yeah. and clear cell and that little the clear brown you know, whatever. yeah all so these things funny. and then when you said um what was it the three-step one proactive i yeah. immediately smelled the the final step like that gel and i was like <laughs> i could like i could smell all these things it's just brought me yeah. back to high school immediately and all those smells like chemicals because and it's funny because proactive like i know it worked for a lot of people but my mom was always like do we have proactive money no we don't so because i remember it was, was like expensive. i don't know like it, it and it was, was a subscription to it my mom was like, like yeah, uh, yeah my mom was like that's not happening you can go get the scrubbing bubbles pink one from walmart like call it a day right <laughs> So I actually learned from you that 55% of people don't wash their face daily, which is so gross. You guys, please wash your face. Because I feel like, you know, how many, I'm not trying to call out a group of people, but like how many straight cis men folk do we have in this world? Because a lot of them are in that category. I'm just going to say, like, I feel like a lot of them are the ones who who aren't. And I'm sure it's other people too, Um, because people are just like, I don't know, misguided and just throwing water on there or something. But talk about like like it just throw water They're on not their face. Their face at all. They're not even throwing water, water on, on their face. That's very stressful. <laughs> so, like, talk us through the proper way to wash your face. Because anybody that's listening to this podcast, I want them to know. We've already talked about how to wash your hands, right? I want them to know how to wash their face. That is like bare minimum requirement for listening to this podcast. You have to know how to wash your face and your hands. <laughs> And then what like a good daily skincare routine should look like? Obviously, I know it's a bit varied, but yeah. Yeah. So, yes, you should wash your face and with more than just water. I cannot tell you how many times people are like, oh, I don't wash my face. You don't. What? Mm. Ever? Okay, that's cool. Um, But you should start. And I tell people this and it seems like a no brainer. But now I think, you know, with COVID-19 people, people get it now. You absolutely need to wash your hands before you touch your face. For a mm-hmm. lot of people, this is where breakouts start because you have unclean hands and you're trying to like put stuff on your face and it doesn't work. But you should, you know, after you wash your hands, the best thing to do is to use your fingertips to wash your face. That way, um, a lot of people have this sensor. People who talk about washing their face, they always say they scrub their face. Don't scrub your face. It causes irritation. So using your fingertips, that way you get a light motion. You can think about washing your face as like a gentle massage, right? So whether you're going to use soap, a cleanser, an oil cleanser, whatever, you want to gently massage it onto your face, right? And then when you rinse your face, whether you're going to splash water on it, if you're going to use a cloth, or um, using your hands to rinse your face, you need to pat dry your face. 
So get like, you know, a paper towel, some kind of cloth to pat dry. Um, because for a lot of people, right, and it's just like, it's just like washing your hair, right? You want to make sure that you rinse thoroughly to get all the shampoo out, all the conditioner out. When you pat dry your face, you're getting all of the residue, the water, you know, the leftover bubbles, whatever, off of your face. And then you always want to apply a moisturizer and sunscreen. Yes, even black people, you need sunscreen, okay? Because this is protecting, <laughs> this is protecting your face. At the bare minimum, most people, if you don't have any kind of skin problem, you can get away with just um, a cleanser, moisturizer, and sunscreen. Three steps, okay. cleanser, moisturizer, sunscreen. But if you have... Um, a certain skin issue or you feel like your skin is more dry than most people or more oily than most people you may want to add an extra step so you can add a toner right after your cleanser or you can add um, some sort of serum after after your toner Um, and what the serum will do is it helps to A serum is basically like um, a highly potent form of a vitamin that you're going to put on your skin. And that's going to help to um, boost hydration or, you know, on the other side, if you have tend to have oily skin, it's going to help to sort of tone your skin down so that you don't have a lot of a lot of oil. So at the bare, I mean, on a basic level, that is your your skincare routine. It could be as simple or as complicated (laughs) as you want to make it. So funny story about uh, like about, um, you know, needing like sunblock and being black is that growing up, my mom was white and I I'm sure I've said this on the podcast before. I totally did not believe that I needed to wear any sort of sunscreen. And like because she was white, when she would tell me like, Chris, you have to wear sunscreen, even though you're black, you still have to wear it. I'd be like, Mom, you don't know because you got white skin. So like you're, this is not your area of expertise. You are not well versed in this. You are a white person. And I know, like, I felt like I knew in my spirit, no one had told me, but I just felt like I knew innately that like, I don't need it. And I was like, white people do. So then like all my black family members start telling me like, no, you really do need sunscreen. But in my mind, I'm like, oh, this white lady has told all my black family members to try to get them. It's like a conspiracy <laughs> wow. to make me wear sunglasses. Like I was like, she just told them to do this because she wants me to wear it. So I was just like, I don't believe it and I won't believe it. Um, and so for years, like she would chase me. And I mean, I grew up in Florida and I'm very much like I was a beach child. My grandparents mm. like lived on a lake and had a pool. I was in water all the time. And she's just like constantly chasing me with sunscreen and I'm like I don't need it because I'm a black person I would tell everyone in my white family the same thing like my (laughs) uncles cousins I would be like you guys don't understand because you're not black but I am and we don't need it like we've got a built-in system that y'all don't know about and then I was in middle school and I finally burned and then I was like oh okay I see the sun doesn't care (laughs) yeah also, I love that you said this as if you were like Lupita Nyong'o, like mm-hmm. skin tone. Like, girl, you were still fair <laughs> AF walking around in the sun. Right. No sunscreen on. I also like had no idea growing up that I was like a light skinned black person. Like, I didn't know that. <laughs> so like in, in my mind, I was Lupita. I know that sounds like bananas, but it's like I look back and I'm like, oh, like I yeah, I'm, I'm obviously like light skinned, but I didn't know that at the time because I was around so many white people. So I was just like, well, I'm darker than them, so. Yeah, I can imagine like, that we probably that were at Universal so around the same time and like when I was in middle school and that I just probably saw you from afar, didn't know who you were and probably was like, this girl 
Ooh, like she about to Girl, she needs to I legit screen. thought that like you and I were the same color until I was like <laughs> in middle school and had like some actual awareness like I just did not get it like I I don't know why I like, is, and now it, I think it's funny because I look at photos of myself now and I'm also like a vampire now right so I used to be out in the sun <laughs> a lot more and now I just never go anywhere and so I'm always so pale because like I'm never outside and like I do I was darker as a child because I was out and about and now I'm just so pale and I feel like I always look like I look like sickly I don't know like it, it's not right yeah you, <laughs> I also you thought were... that I thought I was um turning like I thought I was losing my melanin once when I was sick as a child I can't I was probably like five or six and I looked in the mirror and I was you know I was because I can get like palish or whatever and so I'm like super pale and I start like screaming and crying and my mom runs in the bathroom and she's like what's wrong and I was like I'm losing my blackness and she's like no, you're not and I was like look at me look at me and she's like because you have like I had like the flu or something like that she's like you're just sick like your, your color's oh gonna my come God. back I was I just did not know how it worked y'all oh my so, so here's the thing about about sunscreen so I think like every black person has heard like you don't need sunscreen right but the lighter your skin is uh the more visible effects that you have from sun exposure so when you're super light yes yeah, so and you're out at the beach all day and you're not wearing sunscreen like your skin is going to be red the more melanin you have, like you don't see the redness, but if you were to look at your skin still there. <laughs> under a microscope, right, you still have that damage. Now, the more um, melanated you are, right, the the less the less uh, sort of damage you have, but you still have damage, right? So, mm-hmm. as I think a lot of a lot of people who have darker skin didn't realize that because you're not, you know, you're not looking at it right you don't see the sunburn it doesn't feel burned right because your skin um is processing uh and absorbing the sun differently but you still have you still have damage i mean most people don't look at their skin under a microscope so you wouldn't know exactly yeah i would just get darker so i was like oh it's fine like i'm just getting darker (laughs) like i'm not getting red so you know i didn't associate it with um there being any damage on my skin we have two PSAs. Wash your face and wear sunscreen. And we're like 30 <laughs> minutes in. <laughs> no matter what color you are, you're going to need sunscreen. I did not think that I'd be 30 years old talking about acne on a podcast, but here I am. So Brandy, you <laughs> suffered from acne, acne growing up into, and into your adulthood. Like most, I feel like most yep. people who had acne as children obviously still suffer with it as adults. Like that's... yeah. The statistics that I'm running with my mind, I did not go to school. I'm not a dermatologist. Sue me. Yeah. Um, so what is, what have you, what advice do you have? Or at least the top tier advice do you have for people who are also struggling with acne in our thirties, forties, you know, like being an adult and still waking up one day and seeing a giant pimple or black head on your face. Okay. People listening, do not turn off the podcast because I'm going to say something you don't want to hear. You really have to change your diet. Mm. and that's the part that eating like, no, I just want to get like sell me something to put on my face that will help slightly but really skincare is an inside job like what you eat today is what appears on your skin tomorrow like everything from your skin's um, texture elasticity it's all based on what we eat so you have to change what you eat and primarily for people who have acne that means eliminating or 
being very strict about the amount of dairy that you consume. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. And that's hard for people. Like there's cheese on everything. Like I love pizza too. However, <laughs> right. I know that when I have that pizza <laughs> tomorrow, I'm probably going to have a pimple. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, dairy does not, um, for most people, again, most people, like I know growing up, like there were always people who are like lactose intolerant. Like most people actually are. Okay, so yeah, most people actually are. So you have to change your diet, um, eliminating dairy. Yes, milk, cheese, eggs, all that stuff that you love, um, so that your skin can look better. Um, and it helps. Like people, if you if you were to do, you know, change your eating habits for two weeks. Change your eating habits for two weeks, consistently do your skincare routine for two weeks. Your skin will look almost totally different in just two weeks, right? Given that, you know, let's say you've already been drinking, you know, a gallon of water or whatever a day, and then you just make the simple changes by eliminating dirt, your skin will look completely different. You'll have a natural glow. You'll start to notice that, you know, if you have dark spots or acne scars on your face, they start to diminish. Um, you'll notice that, you know, your skin is more naturally hydrated. You won't have redness or irritation just in two weeks of doing that. So I, I tell people that and they're like, yeah, but then they don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> like, mm, yeah. Change my eating girl. No, let me get this moisturizer. <laughs> well, and yeah. what I've learned from like being somebody that like is a plant-based eater is that like the. I don't even like the quote unquote cleaner. I hate saying that way, but like the cleaner way that you eat, like you to see improvements, you just have to keep going more in that direction. So like I'm working with a nutritionist now and it's like when I started out, like I had these cookies that I used to like to eat that were completely, you know, dairy free, like gluten free. They were just like everything free. I don't even know how they were still good. They had like nothing in them, but they were still processed. Right. And so after eating two weeks of literally making every single meal from scratch at home, when I went to go have one as a snack, I felt sick afterwards. Mm. Um, So it's just crazy how, again, there's nothing, there's no dairy, there's no whatever, gluten, anything in it. But just because it's, you know, like you said, like things are made with preservatives because they have to stay on the shelf. And so it was processed. And now like my body's like, we're not doing that anymore. Um, yes. So it's like, even if you're experiencing issues and you are already plant-based, it's like, that might mean that you need to take out everything. And it sucks because mm-hmm. I always have friends that are like, oh, I like stopped drinking soda and now my skin is so clear and I dropped 500 pounds. And I'm like, that's cool. But I already <laughs> stopped doing that when I was 16. And they're like, oh, I stopped eating meat. And now I look like Jennifer Lopez. And I'm like, that's cool. <laughs> but like, I stopped eating meat when I was eight. So like, there's like nothing if left. Everybody's I, different. Everybody's yeah, and different. I, I felt like there was nothing left for me to take out of my diet. So when I started working with nutritionists, I was just like, well, there's nothing left. Like I don't even already eat. Like I already don't eat all the good things, but then it was like, oh, it's the preservatives, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like those can make like all those little diet changes really do make such a difference. You're right. Yeah. And I think, you know, going back to what I said before, that's why you really not only do you have to know your skin, you really have to know your body because everybody's mm-hmm. different. Right. Like I was, you know, I think last year I, I read the the back of the cheese it box and realized that there was no cheese there and that no. you know what I had been blaming <laughs> 
<laughs> I've been blaming <laughs> these cheeses, right? Oh, it's the cheese and the cheeses. That's why I'm breaking out. But I love cheeses, right? No, it's like all the preservatives and and all the other junk that's in there that I don't need to be eating, right? Um, and so I think for some people, like eliminating eliminating dairy is it? Like I I have this friend who's vegan and she's always complaining like about breakouts and she's like, you know, God hates me because I keep breaking out. Like, you know, saying all the things that you just said, charisma, like I'm doing all the things. I'm drinking the water. I'm minding my business. I'm blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. It's like, but you, you drink like an energy drink every day, sometimes oh, two girl. Day, right? Like, Ooh. do you know what's in that? Like, that's probably mm-hmm. not the best thing for you. And then she's like, Oh, well that makes sense. <laughs> you know, yeah. like all of these things. So, I, I tell people like be be very um be aware of what you're eating like for some people who have severe acne or cystic acne you may want to keep a journal of everything that you are eating mm-hmm. and then take daily pictures of your face to see how your skin is changing over time um because that's important right every little thing that we eat contributes to the function of our body and how you know, how our skin looks, how we move, our energy levels, everything. So you have to be aware of that. Yeah. I was going to say that definitely that advice people is for almost every like condition medically. Like if you suffer from migraines, you're supposed to keep a migraine diary. If you have some other, like you have fibroids, they talk about keeping a diary. Those, all these things that your doctors basically want you to see what you're putting in your body. So that way they know the output is okay. On day two, 10, five, you had pizza so obviously you've had a flare-up after you ate pizza stop mm, yeah. eating pizza or you know the energy yeah. drinks etc and so. i love that you pointed out that it takes like two weeks to see those differences because two weeks yes. is not a long time and i think that that's like a time frame that a lot of people can say okay i can make this change for two weeks and like you'll start to see those improvements and sometimes all you just have to see is a little bit for you to be like okay yeah this is totally worth it and then continuing on with that journey with it but yeah that's like such good advice it's like if you can just buckle down for like take a week and like write down everything you're eating pull Mm -hmm. out the things that don't work and then for two weeks don't eat those things and you know have a lot of water take care of yourself take care of your stress levels and if you're going to be seeing a difference in two weeks like that's really nothing especially in quarantine we all got like i'm gonna say two weeks in quarantine is like what (laughs) it's this year's like flying by and slow at the same time i don't make no sense oh my god exactly (laughs) that yeah So what advice do you have for new entrepreneurs who are just at the beginning of their journey and kind of looking ahead and like, oh gosh, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm brand new to this. I'm super green. And they're just like walking through the door. What would you say to them? Um, don't do it. Don't do it. Run. <laughs> um. <laughs> you belong on this podcast. I swear. <laughs> You know, I think like people glamorize it way too much. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, I think I think quarantine life has a has really humbled a lot of people because people think, oh, I want to be a full time entrepreneur. I want to work on the beach. I'm just going to be at home all day, you know, posting pictures on Instagram. That is not the reality of your business, especially if you're starting off. um, You are going to be the one person that does everything and you have to be prepared to do that for as long as it takes even when you bring on other people you are still in charge of everything because it's your business right so I know a lot of people who have you know started businesses and they've 
hire consultants and they're like, oh, well, I paid this person, so I'm going to let them do their thing. No, you need to talk to that person. You need to get them on a Slack channel or something to be in communication and make sure that they're carrying out your vision. Um, mm-hmm. So I would say to anyone who wants to start a business, one, talk to other entrepreneurs, like talk to a lot of people that actually have businesses and have had them. Um so that you know the reality of what you're getting into. Although every business is different, every person is different, um, do that. And then really like sit with yourself, be honest with yourself, and do like an evaluation of your skill set. Like what are the things that you are good at and that you can master? I know a lot of people um, fall fall in love with entrepreneurship because they don't want a boss or they hate their job, okay? But I find that a lot of those people aren't, good employees or don't Mm -hmm. have good like organizational skills or people skills and so they get into a business and they get frustrated because it's not working like figure out what you're good at and master that and then the things you're not good at that's when you hire out or get help from other people right um and so I think having that process figuring that out sitting with yourself and being like, okay, like I'm not the the most tech savvy person. I'm probably going to have to hire a graphic designer or this or that instead of like sitting in front of your computer for 120 hours trying to build a Shopify website, you know, like <laughs> making those decisions early on so you don't waste a lot of time and money. Um, and I think the last thing I would say is, you know, work on your patience because things take time, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone is not an overnight success. Um it may take you five, 10, 15 years. Like if this is something that you really want to do and you're committed to it, um, it's not going to happen overnight. And I think with anything, you know, the excitement that we have at the beginning of the journey (laughs) sort of dies down after a while. So finding ways to, to stay inspired and motivated and, you know, continually falling in love with your business idea is important because it gets rough and there will be times where you want to quit. You might actually quit sometimes <laughs> and then come back. Yeah. That, that's the reality. I love that you draw the parallel between like, you know, being a good employee or a terrible employee and then how that works out in entrepreneurship. Because like, I like, I feel like a lot of people don't understand. Like I was always a model employee. Like I was always like the employee of the month, like overachiever type. And I've technically been working since I was 12 because I started babysitting uh, during that time. But then like legally on paper since I was 15 and like I was working to a point to like support myself and have my own apartment my senior year of school plus pay for private school and give my mom money. So like Mm -hmm. it's not a thing where it was like, oh, I don't like work. You know, like I think you're 100% right. Like if someone cannot handle being a good employee and showing up as an employee, then how is that going to translate to, you know, entrepreneurship? And I think that a lot of people have this idea like, oh, well, as an employee, I'm not going to do what I want to do. But as an entrepreneur, Mm. it's going to be what I love, what I'm passionate about. And it's like, guess what? I also do lots of things that I'm not passionate about, like taxes and all sorts of boring stuff, (laughs) because it's not just all the like fun, flashy things. Like you have to do so much groundwork to be able to do the fun flashy things. And like you said, when you start out, you're doing all of it. Like you can't afford to like normally just pay other people to do all the things. Not to mention you have to learn what those things are to hire people in the first place. So like I'm bringing on an intern um, next week 
and all my interns are paid. And I just feel like I need to say that. Um, and it's like, I have been prepping for weeks to get to like, be able to train her for what she needs to do. How can I hire somebody to do something if I don't know what they need to do? You know what I mean? Right. So it's just like people don't think about that. It's like, you can't just pull people in, you know, obviously you can work with like other business owners and have contractors and stuff mm -hmm. who can do things. But when you're paying for that expertise, it is going to cost a lot of money. Yeah. Um, so I feel like a lot of people don't realize that and they think that it's just an escape. It's definitely not an escape unless you are already independently wealthy and you're a millionaire yeah. and you can just invest that money. Then you're looking at, you know, kind of like you said, it's just like an uphill journey. And it's, I think it's one worth taking, but it's, mm -hmm. you have to really want it. That's for and, sure. And that's the thing. I don't know if people, if everyone listening to this podcast is like bootstrapping their business, or maybe you have, you're starting with like $100,000 in the bank and you got money just to spend. I don't know. But I think all of those things are important. Like you want to be making money in your business and not wasting money. And the more, the more you don't know, and the longer you don't know it, you're really costing yourself money. Right. Um, yeah. But also, like, I, I look at my job experience as like, as like my paid internship, right? Because I learned a lot of skills, like things that people take for granted or that people don't do well in a regular work setting, like showing up on time for work, following up with people on email, having good relationships with the people that you work with. Um, all of those things matter in business, right? If someone sends me an email about my business and I just blow it off, right? That's costing me money and my reputation, right? If I am supposed to be somewhere or there's deadlines like taxes, right? I just can't say, well, you know, I don't have time to do that today. Taxes are due. Oh, well, like that costs me money. I just mm -hmm. can't blow that off. So if you're in your job and you're like, oh my God, I can't ever meet deadlines, you probably don't want to be an entrepreneur, <laughs> right? Because you have you have deadlines to meet. You have things to do, especially if you're working in a service business, right? Yes. Like mm -hmm. people are like, oh, I, I want to be my own boss. That client is your boss for that project because yeah, you're exactly. delivering on what they're asking you to do. And there is going to be constant communication with that person. Like Charisma mm -hmm. and I were talking about um, photography. Like I, I tried my hand at it and then it, it was too much because people want what they want. You know, they come with you like, this is my vision. This is what I need. It's a lot to provide for people. Um, also, I just have to interject and say, this is a photographer. It's my pet peeve and people do it all the time. And I've been shooting now for like what, 11, 12 years or something. And I always let people know this will be how long it will take you to get your photos and this is what the turnaround is. And I guarantee you that before we get to that halfway point, I always get an email, a text, or whatever. How however the photos? They me. Where so are they? Are the, photos the, the next well, day. Um, instead of working on them right now, I'm talking to you. So that's how they're going. <laughs> like, I, I literally make it clear every single time because I don't want there to be any questions. And I always say, like, at the earliest, you'll get them at this date. At the latest, you'll get them. I, I, I tell them the very specifics yeah. and without fail. I, I think I have maybe had just a small handful of clients that didn't ask. It's that like, I don't know why. That is a pet peeve of every photographer that I know. It's so like my hands are literally up in my head right now. Just like, <laughs> but that's part of why. Like, I know it sounds like it's just like, but it's when it's when you have multiple projects going on, right? If you're like working on editing five different things, you know, you're getting those messages constantly and you're having to you know, write emails nonstop that are just like, 
this is when remember we talked about you know and it's just like oh so the the switch to product based so far I've been enjoying it just because I don't have to answer those emails Mm -hmm. yeah yeah but you know (laughs) whatever you're gonna whatever business you have when you're having those interactions you have to do it with grace as much as that person is irritating right and Mm -hmm. they've emailed you six times I know like you do weddings right that yeah. you know I know you get those brides and yep. they're like on you every five minutes right you have to do that with grace when you're in your work setting you know if you're at a job you work you know at Walmart I'm like like I'm, I'm gonna pick on Walmart because I have the worst experiences there right if you're at Walmart mm-hmm. right you don't care if somebody is like hey you know can you help me with this like you might blow them up like you can't do those things in your business right you can't have a bad attitude with people like you have to be professional. If you're not that type of person, then maybe entrepreneurship is not for you because you're going to have to be that. You're going to be the face of your business. You're going to be the customer service rep at your business. You're going to be the accountant. Like you have to do all of those things and you really have to be flexible. That's the Mm -hmm. biggest thing. Like you have to be flexible with a lot of these things. Yeah. I can't imagine being, um, just rigid in my way of thinking and think that I'm going to make a salary from my own business, (laughs) like not doing what other people tell me to do. I just, it's, yeah, you said it all. So I'm going to move on. (laughs) What three tools do you use to manage your business efficiently right now? Uh, Tools that I use. So um, I have a couple of consultants that I work with on different things, and we use Basecamp. And I know people use like a bunch of different things, Slack, Trello, Asana. Uh, mm-hmm. I like Basecamp. It's the first one that I found. I just started using it. I know it very well now. Um, I like it. I have it on my phone too. So it's it's pretty cool. Um, I also use uh, I schedule all of my social media posts for my business which mm-hmm. um, has really tremendously shifted <laughs> my thinking and my workload in my business. And so I use Later. Um, Same. I like it. It's super easy. Uh, there's a free version and a paid version. If you tend not to post a lot, the free version is cool. Um, if you want to post video or if you want to schedule your stories, um, you might want to you might wanna spring for the paid version. It's not a lot. It's an investment, but... It, it really works for me. Um, I can't say enough about it. I just, I love it. Glad I found it. Um, the other thing I would say, and I still, I still use this. This is something that I found a couple years ago in my business because I am not a graphic designer. And for me, it was really challenging to figure out what to do. And then also being new in business, I didn't have money to hire anyone. And so I started using Canva. And I think Canva is easy to use if you're not a designer, if you want to make um, social media posts that are that look a little fancy um, and that look nice and can really like elevate elevate the look of your brand. Uh, I think Canva Canva is it. There's a bunch of them that you can use, but I, I like Canva. Canva is definitely the best. Yeah. I feel like this is the second episode where we talked about Canva. Yeah, I was talking about it the other day because my computer died in the worst, like, part of, like, the lockdown. And I literally was out Photoshop for the first time since I was, like, a teenager. Um, And so there was just, I could not go anywhere to get it fixed. Like, it was just dead. And so I was using John's computer, but I own Photoshop. I own it for Mac. 
So mm. I can put it on two Macs and he has like, I don't even know, like some old PC thing. And so an HP. Shade. And, so, <laughs> <laughs> and then he's going to be like, see, that's why I need a new computer. And then I'm like, nope. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I was using that and it was, you know, I, I had to figure out something. I was like, should I get Photoshop on here? But like, honestly, it's just, it was, it's such like a basic computer that I was just like, I just don't know that it's going to need to like run the way I need to, even if I bought Photoshop for this. Plus I, I want my Mac and I want to be like working on Photoshop on my Mac. So I started using Canva for some various things. And I was just like, this is a whole new world. I think that if Canva existed like 15 years ago, I, I don't even know that I would have learned Photoshop or if anything, I would have mm. learned it faster because there's things about Canva that kind of help you start getting into that headspace to where you can make, I think, the transition into Photoshop a little bit like faster. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would probably use it for a lot of things and then just like hire out for the things that are more complex and more specific. But it is it's really such like a great tool and it's like so fast and easy to use. And I've been excited seeing so many, like, I can, I can recognize Canva, like, graphics mm-hmm. because I've looked, like, oh, I'm yeah, so proud that I've looked through every single one. And so I've, like, I've seen them all before. But it's so fun to see, especially right now as people are kind of creating, I think, more content, like, than usual to an extent yeah. because they're, like, well, I'm home. Um, so a lot of people are, you know, using that to create different graphics and stuff and seeing going around on Instagram. And I'm loving seeing how different people use the same sort of like setup but Mm. change it like for their specifications and for their voice so it's really interesting to see that and it's kind of like a study in branding to just see like oh okay this is how they're using it this is how they are so it just goes to show like I think obviously I think design is very important Um, and if you have like good content and you know a good design even if it's similar to someone else's your message can still be like really strong and really come across, you know, in a really good yeah. way. So I also always just like to tell people that the CEO of Canva is a woman of color and she has built what? a billion dollar business at 32. So Melanie Perkins, Gosh, we love you. For you. She is 32. She's from wow. Australia. And she completely blew the game away by creating Canva. I personally, I'm a snob. I don't love it. But yeah, I will give credit where credit is due. And I do think that it's empowering, also dangerous, because I've seen some bad stuff come out of it, to give <laughs> people sure. the ability yeah. to use this tool everywhere they are. Like, you can be on your phone. You can be on your yeah. laptop, your iPad. It's such an, in, it's ingenious. And she has built yeah, this easy-to-use platform that has, because when it, Canva launched, it crashed all the time. Like, I totally remember, I think I the saying, demand I remember- being around forever out of and not liking it all, all at all before before it was very bad it was very there was nothing no good designs on it and it was not user friendly so like, why would yeah. i wear this yeah but yeah. now it's it's like so different i don't know like when they had their revamp but obviously they did it at the right time because they did it before all this yeah and then she just didn't stop like this is the okay. thing she kept making it better and more into and it's very easy to use and so I always give credit where credit's due. She's created something that's completely changed the design game, so to speak, Absolutely. and also using open source typefaces, which is so important to people because we all know the type industry is full of really mean old white dudes who want to gatekeep and et cetera. So they hate the, the idea of open source type, which all of them aren't as beautiful. I totally understand it's a designer, design rant, 
But I like the idea that she's utilizing what Google has already put into motion to kind of break down some of the barriers from design because good design is expensive because it was just white dudes. Like it was rich white people who could go to art universities, art degrees. And so there's this whole conversation about it. Tons of money on fonts, which people don't understand how much like it really costs. If you listen to the intro, because I'm going to go back and talk about this, where are the Black designers drama, it, it this ties back into that of like, now we're creating design and making it accessible to people beyond just people who can go to RISD and all these really uh, expensive design schools. So I'm happy that you're able to use it for your company. And I hope that more people are able to just go out and try it for themselves. And you can still hire Canva designers. Like that doesn't mean you can't. Yeah. There are people who are on Canva all day that don't know anything about Photoshop, but can make you something really snippy and snappy really quickly. Yep. And you can also hire them. So totally yeah. for it. Um, the girl who we had on Katie from Pulp Town and she makes her graphics for Pulp Town, which is like a local Orlando um, like publication. She makes her graphics in there for like stuff and like I was shocked I definitely was like I didn't even know that you could do that in Canva because I haven't spent like that much time in it so yeah it's definitely like people are really learning how to uh do very creative things in there so I'm I'm happy about it I love it so obviously you have your own podcast um and I say obviously because you just fit right in here and I feel like you could like talk to us forever about everything like you're just so comfortable so I'm like you can tell like you have your own podcast so your podcast is called Brandy Was Here um so I just wanted you to tell our listeners because they're always asking like what are other podcasts I can listen to so tell them a little bit about your podcast and then also just like what's next for you like personally professionally as we gear up for the second half of 2020 because today is July 1st and then also just let our listeners know where they can find you on the internet as well okay cool um so yeah so my podcast is releasing uh later this month actually um and I would say I wanted to start a podcast but you know you get intimidated you're like oh there's everyone already has a podcast no one wants to listen to me and so I just I didn't do it um I just didn't do it. Um, But I started using this hashtag a couple years ago, Brandy was here, just to like, I think for me, like, leaving a legacy is really important. And so I started tagging stuff that I thought was important to me as like Brandy was here to like put my own stamp and mark on it. And the more I think about my legacy, like I want to have something, you know, having that teacher background, I really want to have something where I am. I'm teaching people, I'm empowering people, I'm sharing my experience. And so I decided earlier this year to start this podcast and then, you know, look at God and the universe. They said, here's COVID-19, stay in your house for a hundred plus days. And I had time <laughs> to do it, right? Um, so I started doing it. Um, and so I think I think people who, who tune into this podcast will just walk away, um, you know, feeling like you're not alone, but also just, just being in good company and conversation with people. I'm interviewing just, you know, people that I know, people who have helped me along my life journey um, and interviewing them just about, you know, advice to give for people and to talk through their experiences. Um, It's really funny. My mom, who does not like the spotlight at all, does not, she doesn't even like people, (laughs) she doesn't even like me telling people she's my mom for the most part. She's (laughs) like, can I interview you for this? And she was like, yeah, you know, and and it came out, it came out really, really well. So the podcast, uh, it'll be released July 21st. Um, and so I'm looking forward to 
to having people listen and to get some feedback. Um, I always tell people I'm all over the internet. <laughs> I've been on the internet like my whole life. So you, I'm very easy to find. Um, I'm on Instagram at Brandy was here underscore, or you could go to my website, Brandy was here.com. Um, I think what's next, you know, just, just seeing where this podcast goes and where it leads. Um, I'm always sort of roped back into being an educator somehow. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I do, I do some teaching here and there um, and just building on my brand. I've had, I've had time. I really took last year to think about, you know, where I want the brand to go. And it's been the first time really that I've had an opportunity to think about the long-term vision and not get bogged down in the day-to-day. Um, for much of my my business life, I've I've had a job. And so I think when you have a job and you're coming home and also working on your business, you're just focused on, you know, getting the orders out, make sure the website's updated, posting on social media, and you're not you're working so much in your business, you don't have time to work on your business. And so I've taken the last six months, actually the last year, to work on my business. And I think the things that I've worked on and things that I have planned and coming out with that, um, I'm really excited about. And I think it'll really help a lot of people, which I'm even more excited about because that's the, that's the point, right? To help, to help mm-hmm. other people um, so they don't, they don't have to experience what I experienced, you know, making life better for, for the people that are coming behind me, whether that's, you know, making you look beautiful through skincare, um, motivating and encouraging you on the podcast, or just, you know, sharing some, some business tips here and there. That's what I hope to do. Oh, I love, I that love so it. That is, so really sweet. What that is what it's all about. And I think like, kind of like just coming full circle, I think that, you know, you said like entrepreneurship is so hard and it is kind of just this thing, like, don't do it unless you really want to do it. But again, I think your education background is really what pushes you through. Um, and the fact that you, you want to do things for the right reasons, like you want to help people, which is what you want to do as an entrepreneur, as a educator. And now is what you do as an entrepreneur as well. So I love that so much. Yay. Thank Um, you. Thank you so much for coming on, Brandy. And we're so excited to have this people come follow you. And we can't wait to celebrate the launch of your podcast. Yay!